Turn with me, please, to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. I think I've related to you before that when I was a young boy attending church at Watown Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, that we were given passages and verses of Scripture to memorize. And uh, when it came to Psalm 100, I think I must have been all of eight or nine years old, I don't know, but I made the first application of Scripture from the last verse of Psalm 100. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. The Lord Jesus Christ, in his great high priestly prayer in John 17, prays to the Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I think I gained a very high view of Scripture as a boy. I gained it further later when instructed, of course, in the way we received our Bibles and uh, the massive work that took place throughout the centuries and how we have it in the received text, which is called the Textus Receptus. There was a different manuscript that was developed from which most of the modern translations come. But, of course, the Textus Receptus has been there for all these 1,800 years before that was done. And uh, so, uh, I believe that is the proper and right text. And so, we find that when that text is translated even into other languages, as is done by the Trinitarian Bible Society, of which I am a member, uh, that is the text that is used, because that is the text that has been received, and we may completely depend upon, and so, that's the text from which the King James Version is translated that we've had. And God is blessed for so many centuries. We uh, thank the Lord for his word. I was able to read this when I was a boy. Didn't have any problem <laughs> understanding the words. And so uh, we have the word of God. And as we have the word of God, we understand the word of God is given by God. The Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 10 equates the scripture with God speaking. God is speaking through his word. And we are to reverence God and his holy word. I think of Isaiah. I think of the prophet when Isaiah saw all of the difficulties and thought that God ought to come and as it were do some massive work to show himself to the nations. But God says to him in Isaiah 62, to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my words. The word of God is absolute truth. The word of God will stand forever. Isaiah says, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And so, 
when God has specially dealt with me, it has always been through his word. Even the call to the ministry was through his word. The call to feed his sheep. The call to preach his word. By the way, that came much later in my 20s. But I had the desire when I was a boy. It was, it was there. And so, the Word of God, the Bible, the truth that God has given, becomes the whole basis and the whole preaching which we are to do. In 2 Timothy 3, Timothy is taught about apostasy and great wickedness that shall characterize the last days from that time to this it has and he then is given this in second timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 and following but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That's quite something. You see, we don't give flowery messages. We don't come and simply give something to, to make you feel good. Sound doctrine requires something. It has to be endured. It has to be entered into prayerfully properly seriously and when that's not done oh the great spiritual danger that takes place but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables solemn passage indeed of course the Lord Jesus Christ has the highest view of scripture when in the wilderness temptation when Satan came and endeavored to tempt the Lord of glory to sin he quoted as it is written he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy he quoted the word of God and of course he and his coming and the accomplishment of his work 
his salvation, his sovereign reign, all that concerned him was before prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. And that is something that God has to open the eyes to. But now we have that interpreted for us in the New Testament scriptures. I think of those Emmaus disciples, downcast, depressed, dejected. They thought he was dead. But three days after his death, he rose from the grave. He met them on that road to Emmaus and said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The Old Testament scriptures were preparatory to his coming. He fulfills them. He is the fulfiller. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So that in his person, works, teaching, by his spirit inspiring and overseeing then the writing of the New Testament, we have the revelation of God finished to us. This is how God speaks to us now. Not apart from this, but by his word, which is very important. God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And we have all that given to us in the New Testament scriptures. Thus, what he said and what was written before was of the very same authority. If you hear not Moses and the prophets, he could say at one place, then you won't believe my words. He is that prophet that was prophesied in Deuteronomy 18, 15 that would come like unto Moses, who would give forth the word of God because he is himself indeed the word of God in his person. There is a special prosperity not talking about worldly prosperity, but rather soul prosperity, if you please, an eternal prosperity to those who hear, believe, and obey the word of God as given through his chosen instruments. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. That's Second Chronicles 20 and verse 20. On the other hand, there is the worst kind of loss to those who will not hear the word of God, whether spoken in direct inspiration or declared in true preaching. It was said of the prophets of old, they despised their words. And of course, that was a terrible thing that brought the judgment because they were speaking God's words. They were God's spokesmen. Timothy, of course, is charged, preach the word. All who are called by God are called to preach the word, to be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The scriptures 
are in 1 John 5 called the record of God's Son. The Apostle Paul called the preaching of Christ crucified is now completely given to us in Scripture the testimony of God. God's truth, His Word. And the Scriptures, as the record of God's Son, carries as much the same weight as if God Himself were audibly speaking. And the highest responsibility imaginable to hear and to believe. As John wrote in 1 John 5.10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. In this regard, the theologian B.B. Warfield could write concerning divine inspiration, a supernatural influence exerted on the sacred writers by the Spirit of God, by virtue of which their writings are given divine trustworthiness. We can believe, trust, receive the Word of God. I've been many years in Christ. I've been many years in the ministry of the Word of God. I've never, not one time, ever failed any, experienced anything failed that God has promised, that God has given in his word. I think of Joshua, goes into Canaan. God had promised them the land of Canaan. Seven nations were there to be warred with, mightier than they were. Great warfare was before them. And yet they ended up exactly doing what God had promised they would do. I think of that passage sometimes in Joshua chapter 21, I think it is, verse 45, there fail not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. God doesn't lie because he cannot lie. His word is absolutely true. And we're to hold the high view of the Word of God as given by divine inspiration and thus making it profitable supremely. As in verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. In righteousness. You see, the reason it is supremely profitable, the reason it is our sole rule for faith and practice, is because it is God-inspired. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. In the Greek, there is one compound word translated in our authorized version as given by inspiration of God. <clears throat> Literally, it means God-inspired or divinely breathed in. Of course, that's a reference to God through the work of the Holy Spirit in giving his word. All or every scripture is first and foremost the result of the direct and supernatural influence of the Spirit of God. We have a problem with the 
What happened? Oh, everything back to order? Okay, good. I'm glad. Back to the message. All or every scripture is the result of the direct and supernatural influence of the Spirit of God. Verbal inspiration means word for word in the original manuscripts that God gave his word, that God moved upon those who were to write his word so that every word was given by God. Verbal, we call that verbal inspiration. Plenary inspiration means the whole of it as it is now completed is by the work of God, the inspiration of God. Um, many years ago, when I was in the fundamentalist movement, there was a great emphasis upon verbal and plenary inspiration. I'm glad it was. At least that was something good that came out of this, uh, this movement that was afoot then. The Word of God, word for word, inspired by God. God breathed. And so, not only the whole of it, again, as we say, but every single minute writing of it in the original manuscripts is God-inspired. It's an incredible statement in Luke chapter 16, verse 17, when the Lord Jesus Christ says that every jot and tittle is of God. Every jot and tittle. The tiniest particle of the letter in Hebrew. <coughs> That's how high a view the Lord has of it. It is thus holy. Rightly does your Bible say holy Bible. It is holy. Living. Completely. Supremely authoritative. And totally trustworthy. Completely trustworthy. So Timothy could be reading here when Paul wrote to him from a child. Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 12, verse 6, The words of the Lord are pure words as silver. Tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. We have the pure word of God. You read the word of God. You read Psalm 119, the highest view possible of the scriptures. I esteem it to be right in all things, wrote the psalmist. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest thou be found a liar. In Hebrews 4.13, the word of God is quick, alive, powerful. It cuts to the quick. Dividing asunder soul and spirit. When Paul writes here, all scripture, in verse 16, he does so there without the article. In 15, verse 15, of course, the article 
was used the Holy Scriptures. Even that absence of that definite article, the, has great meaning. From childhood, Timothy had been taught the Old Testament Scriptures. What a blessing when children are brought up on their mother's knees by hearing the Word of God from them. When the father gets the family together and opens the word of God and prays and takes the word of God and instructs. What a blessing that is. But of course that wasn't Timothy's salvation. It's only when he heard when God did a work in him and he heard the word of God. He heard the gospel of the son of God and believed because God had called him by his grace. What a blessing when children are instructed from very young age in the Word of God, when they're taught the things of God, how important they are. Yes, they're to be brought to church because I fear in this day we're losing the comprehensiveness of the absolute essentiality of the church and what God has ordained in it and come up with too many substitutes that have detracted from even what God has taught in his Word. So, we have the absence of the definite article, all scripture, given by inspiration of God. We have the definite article in verse 15, the holy scriptures. We learn there, of course, again, that from childhood, Timothy learned the word of God. The all of verse 16 widens to every divinely inspired writing, to all the scripture. And thus includes, by the way, the New Testament, which was mostly written by the time of this epistle. You remember 2 Timothy is the last epistle that was written by the Apostle Paul. All written of Christ in the gospel were from the direct influence of the Holy Spirit. In that upper chamber before the cross, the evening before the cross, when the Lord Jesus Christ instructed his apostles concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit, he told them that they would be put in remembrance of everything by the Spirit of God. He would bring to their remembrance all the things concerning him. And he did so. That's why you have, for instance, the Gospel of John, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit giving it to John, and the purpose of it, as he tells in John 20, verses 30 and 31, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you might have life through his name. The book of Acts, of course, is the continuance of the work of Christ through the Holy Spirit. When Luke begins that, he makes known it is simply, it's a continuance of what the Lord began to do and teach. The Lord is still working there and still giving his word. And so, carries the same inspiration as does the Gospels. The epistles, giving the meaning of the gospel, 
and giving all of its ethical implications, the epistles are exactly and equally inspired with all the rest of Scripture. That's why Peter, in 2 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, can speak of the Apostle Paul, that his scriptures, that what he wrote, is inspired like the rest of the scriptures. Account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, and which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, so that he equates the writing of Paul with the scriptures, with all the Old Testament scriptures, with all the other scriptures, divinely inspired. The book of Revelation, given to John the Apostle on the Isle of Patmos, from the Lord Jesus Christ, who sends the messages to the seven churches and then gives the great revelation. When that book is given, which completes the New Testament canon, when that book is given, there's a solemn prohibition, there's a warning that nothing now is to be added to or taken from the very words that were written. If any man takes from the words of this book, we learn in Revelation 22, God shall take his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. Or if any man adds to these things, not to be added to. Every word of God is pure. The most important book you have is this one. We have the Word of God. Most who profess to be Christians have it on their shelves. Some never pick it up. They don't pick it up. They go week by week, day by day, never opening, praying, seeking God to speak to them. No wonder we're in the shape we're in. But the thrust of Paul's teaching here is not just to know the divine inspiration of Scripture, but to use the divinely inspired Scriptures in preaching Christ and in pressing Christian duties. This is our sole authority. This is the Word of God. I'm not called to come and give you my opinions. I'm called to come and give you the word of God in preaching. To learn, to expound the word of God. The first use of scripture and its greatest profitability is in bringing you to savingly know the Lord Jesus Christ. As in verse 15. From a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
whatever else, whatever doctrines, whether knowledge or whatever knowledge may be derived from Scripture. If one is not brought to Christ to believe on Him, to know Him, to be given up by faith to Him, it will certainly do them no good whatsoever. The Lord Jesus says to some in John chapter See where did John, John chapter five, verses thirty-nine and forty. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me. They might have life. Oh yeah, you engage in all kinds of Bible study without ever coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, without ever being saved. By God's grace. By never coming to know and acknowledge the horrendousness of sin and death in sin. And to trust the Son of God who died, was raised from the dead, ascends, and is Lord over all. The law in Scripture oft times and especially in the Psalms when you read of the law it's not speaking and limiting that to the legislation, legislation that came through Moses it means the whole of the word of God oft times it's speaking of the word of God itself the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul well of course it's the gospel that converts the soul but yet it's spoken of the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul testimony of the Lord is sure enlightening the eyes and so forth so that uh, when that word law is used it is not in the Psalms limited to legislation speaking of the whole of God's word when the psalmist says oh how love I thy law it is my meditation all the day he's not limiting his meditation to the legislation that came through Moses he's speaking of course of the word of God itself. So the law, which most often includes the whole Old Testament scriptures in its implication or an application, was not an end in itself. It had an end for which it was given. And that, of course, we learn from scripture. The law was our schoolmaster. As Paul wrote in Galatians 3.24, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. But after Christ comes, and after we know him, then we're justified through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. The Lord Jesus Christ said again in Matthew 5.17, think not that I'm come to destroy the law of the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He's their fulfiller. In Romans chapter 10, Paul is writing and speaking of the Jews who had the word of God, they had the oracles of God, they had that great advantage, but they did not hear spiritually and comprehend and understand the word of God. They going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted in themselves unto the righteousness of God. 
For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That means he is the consummated end. They pointed to him. They are fulfilled in him. He is the end for which they were given. Christ. All is in regard to him. And all in the scripture. The Old Testament pointed to his coming. Prophetically. Prophets. The law. All of it. Not only the law then, but the prophets. They have their fulfillment in Christ, the Son of God. And in his glorious salvation, Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. When it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The prophets desired to search their own writings. And the glorious gospel we learn the angels desire to look into. All centering in Christ. Crucified, risen, reigning. The scriptures make known to us what sin is all about. And what it has brought and cost. And the only way to be free from sin and possess an acceptable righteousness before God, you'll never ever work a righteousness acceptable to God. You can't do it. You're born in sin. You're dead in sins and trespasses. And if you're now in Christ, it's because God made you alive spiritually through regeneration, which enabled you to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to come to repentance from sin, the work of God, and then to learn from the gospel and the tenets, if you please, of the gospel that not only is there this glorious forgiveness of sin through Christ crucified alone, but also his righteousness that's put to your account imputed to you which is glorious glorious so paul could write to the corinthians second corinthians 5 verses 20 and 21 we're ambassadors for god as though god did beseech you by us we pray you in christ did be you reconciled to god on what basis for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him. Not only does God see or, or use the scriptures in making known the Lord Jesus Christ and his so great salvation, he uses the scriptures as a means. He regenerates the born of God. The scriptures are actually called the sperma. The sperma. God makes use of his word to bring about this new birth. Peter, 1 Peter 1, 23 through 25. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, sperma, but of incorruptible by the word of God, 
which liveth and abideth forever, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. So God makes use of his word in bringing about the new birth. Then the scriptures are given to be the one source of rule, of guide, for the whole outworking of this new life in Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Doctrine, or simply teaching, is what the meaning is, is always applied by Paul to the teaching of Christ, always involves the glory of his person, his offices, his salvation, his lordship over all things. And this he brings to the believer. Teaches that in Colossians 1, verses 25 through 29. We won't turn there. You might want to write it down. Doctrine. Reproof. Reproof is the, ref, uh, the uh, refutation of error or the use of Scripture in convicting, warning of what is wrong and showing the danger of embracing false doctrine, or a false lifestyle. Reproof comes through the scriptures. Correction. Correction, on the other hand, means to set one right, if you please, to put one on the right course. It's scripture alone that does this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's why it's important you be in them. You love them, you read them, you study them. You be faithful to the assembly of saints to hear the preaching of the word of God. Correction. Being put on a right course. Scripture does this. Scripture is sufficient to do this, to guide us. The lamp to our feet light to our path thy word have I hid where in mine heart that I might not sin against thee I'll tell you what you put in your heart what you love don't you you put in your heart what you love you put in your heart what you desire they desire the world. They desire its pleasures. They desire its ways. They desire the things that can enrich them in it. But they don't love the Word. If you love the Word of God, you're going to put it in your heart. Thy Word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Correction, instruction, and righteousness. Instruction and righteousness means that the scripture 
is the one true and divinely sanctioned rule for training and discipline in the right ways of God. This is God's way. This is what God teaches us. That's why you have in the epistles, you have the high doctrinal truth, if you please, then followed by the practical application in life to the believer. And the way the believers outlive this new life is given us in the epistles. As well as the great truth of the gospel and the tenets of the gospel and the things that proceed forth from the gospel. Then the scriptures are not only supremely profitable, they are alone sufficient for this prophet. In verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. With the scriptures only, pastor and people have everything that's needed. All that's needed. All that God will give for instruction and faith and practice. The words here, perfect and truly, add the strongest possible meaning that it signifies to be completely and totally furnished. Completely, totally. Equipped fully to know what is right and what is good in the sight of God. Revelation is complete. That is God revealing his truth, giving his word, giving it by the work of his Holy Spirit, by divine inspiration. Revelation is complete. And completion is in Scripture alone. Not going to be more Scripture given. Nothing other than what we have in these 66 books that comprise this one book, the Word of God, the Word from God. It's complete. We don't look for revelation apart from it. We don't look for God speaking apart from His Word. Or speaking directly to someone. That does not happen. That is one of the most dangerous things could ever be embraced. God speaks through his word. There is now no special revelation. It's all completed in scripture. Everything we need. Completely furnished. Total. We need God to teach us his word. We need to hear his word. But he never teaches anything contrary to his word. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Everything God requires is given us in his word, in scripture. And every scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we're required to learn and heed what God says to us. 
as in Isaiah 55, verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. It sets before us the most solemn responsibility possible. God sets before us in his word, if you please, the way of life and the way of death. His word is truth. His word shall endure. As I learned as a young boy, to all generations. His promises are certain. Early in the days of my ministry, I endeavored to embrace every promise I could think of from the Word of God. And those things sustained, helped in coming days, in times of great trial, in times of great difficulty, in times of great warfare sustained God sustained through his word because he is faithful he cannot lie his word is absolute truth whatever does not conform to his word will perish And whatever conforms to his word will survive eternity. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away, declared our Lord. Those alone will love the word, put it in their heart, find it their precious treasure, Seek its direction for the way of life and depend upon its promises for conflict and trial and sorrow who love the Lord of the Word. Who love the Lord who gave His Word. Who love the Lord who is the subject of the Word. Those alone love the Lord of the Word, who know the love of the Lord revealed to them, embraced and believed from what the Word of God declares to their heart. That God sent His Son into this world to save sinners, and in what way? By bearing their sins. Whose own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree who bore all the curse of the law, removing it from those who come to him and receive the gospel. What a glorious gospel. Bearing all the wrath of God against the sins of others on the cross. Suffering all the pangs of hell on behalf of others. And to hear that gospel, to believe that wondrous gospel, to be 
affected is the word I want to use by it brings you to love him to want him to want his word and this was manifested the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into this world that we might live through him here in his love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins the sacrifice accepted by him satisfying his justice removing his wrath we love him because he first loved us if you love him you love his word and if you love his word you'll put it in your heart and if you've got it in your heart it'll be a light to your steps in this world to guide you and direct you what a blessed treasure we have in the word of God and through this word not images not movies not unreliable emotions this word brings us to faith in Christ it brings us to the Lord who is revealed therein and teaches us of him this is what God has ordained one of the most significant statements concerning the supremacy of scripture the profitability of the Holy Scripture it could be possible was written by Peter in 2nd Peter 1 we have also more sure word of prophecy for until you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost the scriptures are not of man's interpreting and then writing down what he interprets it is given by inspiration of God word for word the word of God God speaking so may God bless the ministry of his holy word